Have you ever had someone come to you and say that they have some good news and some bad news and then ask you what you'd like to hear first? Uh, I've, I've had that happen to me a few times in my life and personally I like to take the, the bad news first, uh, kind of that idea of Let's, let's end on a high note. So knock me down first and then let's hear the good news next. Um, so that's, that's not exactly what is happening here in this passage. But at the end of chapter 1, Paul has just given the Philippian church some bad news. Uh, Paul has just told the Philippian church that it has been granted to them to suffer for the sake of Christ. And that they will be engaged in conflict. I don't know about you. Uh, personally, I don't like suffering. I don't like conflict. Uh, my preference is comfort and peace. Uh, and yet, Paul uh, speaks from prison, uh, knowing that's a possibility that, that he could die. Uh, but he's still proclaiming the good news to all that are in his presence. And then he encourages the church to live in a manner worthy of the gospel and to not fear their opponents. And as he says to not fear our opponents, he mentions that suffering and conflict will take place. Um, If anybody tells you that Jesus saves you in order to give you a life of ease, uh, a life full of earthly pleasure, they're lying to you. Paul says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So those who repent of their sin and believe in Jesus have salvation, but will also suffer for the sake of Christ, and will find themselves in conflict with the world. Just think about the life of Christ. Uh, Jesus was, he was perfect in all he did. uh, And even in his perfection, he was persecuted. He was betrayed. uh, People lied about him. People tried to trap him. uh, He was beaten and, and crucified. And Jesus is the one who we are to follow. If this is what they did to, to the one who we follow, we can expect the same thing to happen to us, suffering and conflict. Um, Jesus tells the disciples this truth in, in John 15, 18. Uh, he says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We're told again in 1 John 3.13, it says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So, this is a bit of a a downer. Um, We don't like to be told that we're going to suffer or be in conflict. But there is good news as well that comes after this news of suffering, which is where we're going to pick up this morning as we begin chapter 2 in Philippians. 
the good news that we find in the first two verses of, of Philippians chapter 2 can be summed up uh, like this. In Christ, we receive encouragement, uh, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, affection and sympathy, which then moves us to be unified in joy, uh, being of the same mind, same love, and being in full accord. So this morning, we'll answer four questions that arise from our text. And the answers lead to joy and unity in the Christian life and in the church. So if you haven't already, turn to Philippians. I'm going to start reading actually in chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Lord, I ask that as we look at your word this morning, that we would find encouragement in Christ, um, that we would um, not despair um, in, in the world, but find our hope in you. Amen. And so, before we begin to answer the questions that arise from the text, I believe it's helpful to point out that in this section, we see a movement from suffering to encouragement. So there's, there's suffering for the sake of Christ, and then that's followed with encouragement that comes in Christ. And we've already seen this pattern in, in chapter 1, as Paul has talked about what's been happening to him. Uh, remember, Paul being in prison, um, and there are people that are preaching in order to try to, to hurt him. He's experiencing real suffering. Um, and yet, what does Paul say? He says, yes, and I will rejoice. Paul is setting an example for the Philippian church with how it looks uh, to live a life of rejoicing in the middle of suffering. Paul is not asking the church to do something that he himself is not willing to do. Uh, he's already been living it out. So even though there is suffering and conflict on our horizon as, as Christians, uh, there is reason to rejoice, and reason to have encouragement in Christ, which brings us to our, our first question here. So the first question, what is the encouragement we find in Christ? What is the encouragement we find in Christ? Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, Paul is somewhat posing this as, as a question, but the answer is obvious. If there is any encouragement in Christ, well, there is. 
This word if sets up what Paul is saying about all that follows. And Spurgeon has a helpful quote about this passage and the word if. Spurgeon says, Paul did not mean to doubt that there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. For no one knew better than he did how those blessings abound to those who are in Christ Jesus. He put it by way of argument. Since there is consolation in Christ, since there is comfort of love, since there is fellowship of the Spirit, be one in Christ. Do not be divided. Love one another. How urgently he pleads. How he multiplies expressions. Love among Christians is so precious that he begs for it as if for his life. And so there is encouragement in Christ. So again, what, what is this encouragement? Well, we know that Jesus offers grace and peace. He offers grace and peace. In the greeting um, at the beginning of, of Philippians, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have grace from God and peace with God because of Christ. The fact that we can have grace from God and peace with God should be a great encouragement to us. Um, think about this for, for a moment. The God of the universe, almighty, all-powerful, infinite, beyond anything we can imagine, it's against him who we have rebelled. Against the God of the universe who placed the stars in the heavens. Um, he, he did that with his voice, the, from the word of his mouth. Against him have we sinned. And again, to, to put a little perspective on this, um, one of those stars is the sun. It's millions of miles away. And when we're outside, it, it's, it can burn us. <laughs> And the Lord placed that there with the power of his word. That is how powerful God is, and this is the God who we have sinned against. And in his holy and just character, he has chosen to show his compassion and mercy and love and forgiveness upon his people. The gift of, of grace and, and peace is offered through Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, we can rejoice in that fact. Jesus says in, in John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be trouble, troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let's find encouragement in the truth that God has chosen to provide sinners like you and me with the gift of grace that brings about peace with God. Um, we also find encouragement in the fact that, that Jesus finishes what he starts. Uh, remember, Paul said earlier, he said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So again, there, there's encouragement here. It is the Lord who begins the work in you. And he will complete it. The Lord does not 
leave us on our own to, to finish what he started. He completes it. And as I, as I read this verse again, I was reminded of how God pursues after his people. It is God who initiates that relationship with us. In, in God's pursuit of mankind, we find encouragement as well. It's the Lord who begins the work in us, not us. Isn't that encouraging? Um, the Lord is at work. In Psalm 51, King David prays a prayer of repentance after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. In, in David's prayer, uh, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's the hope of the gospel. This is what God does as he pursues his people. We are unable to create in our own hearts uh, a clean heart. Left to ourselves, our hearts are, are filthy, uh, sinful, unclean. But God, who created all things with the power of his word, is able to create in us a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within us, just as he was able to speak all things and life into existence. Another way we are encouraged in Christ is that Jesus provides us with hope. He provides us with hope. Um, before Christ, each of us was hopeless, dead in sin, dead in our lives, dead, in, dead of any hope. Um, the future for each of us held nothing more than a grave and judgment to follow. Um, but because of this grace we can receive from the Lord, because of the peace that we can now have because of Christ, because Jesus completes what he starts, we can have hope. There, there may be a grave in our future, but there is also a resurrection. There is a day coming when all things will be made new, where sickness, sorrow, and death will be no more, and those who have believed in Christ will enjoy the fullness of the glory of God. And so we look forward to that day in hope. So is there any encouragement in Christ? Yes, there is. Um, second question. What is the comfort from love we have in Christ? So again, the beginning of the passage. So if there is any encouragement, any comfort from love. Um, so Jesus gives comfort in his love for us. Uh, being loved is comforting, isn't it? It's a good thing to be able to, to come to a home and know you are loved and, and cared for. There's comfort there. There's security there. Uh, there's rest in, in having comfort and, and love. It's a wonderful blessing to have this type of earthly comfort. Um, unfortunately, not, not everyone has that earthly comfort. Um, there are some who may have not experienced that type of, of comfort in this life. Um, 
It's heartbreaking. Uh, but uh, even if that is the case, uh, even if you've not experienced any earthly comfort from love, there is still a comfort from love that you can have. There is a, a heavenly comfort from love available to you. Um, one of the most well-known passages in, in the Bible speaks of, of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The love of God is strong. And God has pursued us in his love. Out of his love for the world, the Lord has made eternal life possible. God provides comfort for us in his love, and there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 37 to 39 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The truth is that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, I know that I personally can be tempted to think that in uh, difficult situations, in difficult circumstances. I can be tempted to believe that God is far away, uh, that maybe those difficulties are getting in the way of God's love. Um, That's a lie. Um, The truth is that God comforts us in our affliction. Uh, As Paul speaks to the Corinthian church in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. As we rest in the truth, of God's sovereignty, in the truth of God's love, in the truth of the gospel, the truth of eternal life, we can find comfort. Even though the burdens of this life may be heavy, the Lord is able to carry those burdens. And there is hope and comfort in the future with Christ, eternal life. Jesus calls sinners like us, uh, those who are burdened like us, to himself. Uh, He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can find comfort from love in, in the truth that we can rest in the finished and complete work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And this rest we have in Christ is, is comforting because uh, Jesus makes us pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Um, 
The, the truth that Jesus makes us pure and blameless for the day of Christ is a, is a comfort. Um, our sin has been washed away. Um, we've been made clean by the blood of Christ. Jesus received the wrath of God in our place so that, so that judgment, that wrath of God that we deserved, we, we won't take that anymore. The Lord has taken that for us already. It's just comforting. Um, and not only that, we've received the righteous life of, of Christ applied to us so that we are pure and blameless in the sight of the Lord. First um, Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the comfort we receive from God in his love for us. That Christ was made to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you have this comfort? Um, This comfort can be yours if you repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. Um, The comfort of the love of God The comfort of salvation is not something that we can earn or work for or buy. Simply a a gift from God. Um, the, The third question, what is the participation in the Spirit that we have in Christ? Um, it says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. Uh, The word here for participation is a word that has to do with fellowship. Um, Christians have fellowship, have participation with the Spirit. And the Spirit is is God, the Holy Spirit. That's not a light matter, uh, to have fellowship with with the Spirit. Uh, Having fellowship with God is a great gift. And, And for the Christian, They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Christians are given the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and he dwells within us. And so what does this participation in the Spirit look like? Um, well, we know that the Spirit renews us. The Holy Spirit, who, who is God, is essential to the life of a believer. Uh, we must not forget him. We need him. He, he gives us life and renewal. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 4, says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The Spirit gives life to our dead souls. Regeneration, renewal. Um, But we're not only given life by the Spirit, he also also stays with us forever 
and provides help. John 14, 16, Jesus says, Now ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, So how is it that the Spirit helps us? The Spirit teaches us. John 14, 26, a little later on, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Um, The Spirit teaches us all things, even helps our memory. I'm thankful for that. Uh, The Spirit works in our hearts and, and minds to teach us the world teach us the word by opening our eyes to the truth. And he helps us to remember that truth. It's a renewing of our our mind. Um, But this isn't, again, the only way that we participate uh, and have fellowship with the Spirit. The Spirit also gives spiritual gifts. Uh, The Spirit gives you uh, spiritual gifts. Um, Paul tells us that the Spirit is the one who provides these gifts to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions each one individually as he wills. And we see again in Hebrews 2, 4, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. As we fellowship with the church, we are to use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us to, to build each other up. Um, and in doing this, we have, we have fellowship with each other and uh, fellowship uh, with the Spirit. Um, as we use these spiritual gifts, uh, we cannot take any credit for our giftedness. The only reason why we have the gifts that we have is because God is great, not because we are so great. It would be silly to become proud because of the spiritual gifts we've received. We have nothing to do with the gifts we receive, but instead it shows the greatness and goodness of God. So is there any participation in the Spirit? Yes. He gives you life. He renews you. He teaches you. He helps you. And he gives you gifts for building up the church. The fourth question. What is the affection and sympathy we have in Christ? So Christ's affection and sympathy. We, we know that the Lord Jesus has affection for the church. Paul has spoken of the affection of Christ as he was describing his affection for the Philippian church. He says in chapter 1, verse 8, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The Lord has love uh, and affection for the church. Um, Jesus has a love for his friends. And John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Um, 
for someone to die, to die for somebody else. That's, that is great love. And, and who was it that Jesus died for? Um, as we listen to Romans 5, 6, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus goes to the cross to die for his enemies, who he is turning into his friends. Jesus lays his life down for his sheep. Jesus dies for sinners like us, which if, if you've repented of your sin and believed in, in Jesus for salvation means that you are a friend of Christ. Um, and Jesus is the best friend any, anybody could ever have. Um, and one of the best characteristics of a friend is that they sympathize with you. They are there with you in, in the struggle of life and they understand you. And Jesus is able to sympathize with you. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, the God-man, lived a perfect life, was tempted just as we are but never sinned. He's able to sympathize with us and provide us with help, the help that we desperately need. And Jesus does not leave us alone but offers us his help through the Spirit. And he also help, offers help through the church. There is affection and sympathy that we receive from the church. Um, as we are called to imitate Christ, part of what that call is to have the same affection and sympathy for each other that Christ has had for us. Um, we see Paul modeling this affection as he yearns for the Philippian church. Um, this yearning for the church leads him to pray, uh, out of love for the church. And we already mentioned this, but the sympathy we can find in the church is it's a comfort um, that we receive from each other as, as we love each other, as we come along aside, alongside each other and, and help each other through life and point each other towards Christ. This is one of the great gifts of being a part of a local church. Um, we may not have uh, many things in common, uh, we may not have been naturally friends, but we have Christ in common. Um, so there is a, a mutual love and a mutual affection and sympathy for each other that is rooted and founded upon Jesus. Um, and so we go throughout life and point each other towards Christ as we, uh, as we help each other. So what does all this lead us to? Um, if all of this is true, that there is encouragement in Christ, that there is 
comfort from love, uh, participation with the Spirit, affection and sympathy in Christ, and this is all true, then these things move us toward unity in Christ. Uh, Verse 2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Here is the application we have in light of these blessings, uh, these encouragements that we have in Christ. The church is to be unified in mind and love, which will bring about joy. Um, So the question is this, is what does that look like practically speaking? To be unified in mind and love. What does that look like? Um, We will take a a deeper look into these things in in the weeks to come. Uh, However, just take a glance what comes next in the chapter. Um, So we see that we're not to be selfish or to live life out of rivalry. We're called to humility and to see other people as more important than ourselves. Uh, We are to think of of others and what is in their best interest. And all this has to do with our mind, uh, which... Paul, interestingly, uh, mentions twice in in verse 2. He says, having the same mind and being one of mind. This is important, uh, our mind. Um, So what is this mind that we are to have? Um, It is to live with the mind of Christ. Uh, Skip to verse 5 for a moment. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then the passage moves into the life and work of Christ. Everything that Jesus did was done in humility, uh, done uh, in service out of obedience to God the Father and for the glory of God the Father. And this is the mind we are to have among ourselves the mind of Christ. Um, When Paul speaks of having the same mind, same love, uh, being in full accord and of one mind, this is what he's talking about. Uh, Living our life like Christ lived. Having the glory of God as the utmost importance in in all we do. Uh, That we would not be living life for for our own selfish ambitions, but rather living life of humility that pursues after Christ and shows love towards others. So how are you doing? Um, Have you been living your life with the mind of Christ? Uh, Have you been living your life with the humility of of Christ? Um, With the love of Christ? Um, My guess is that we can all look at ourselves and see our failure. Um, We have not lived up to the standard. Uh, We have fallen short. We have failed. Um, But even in our failure, we have hope in the gospel. That Jesus died on the cross for sinners like you and me, out of his love, 
and he rose again from the grave so that sinners like you and me could have our sins washed away and have salvation, have eternal life with him. So remember this truth. There is, in fact, encouragement in Christ. There is an overflowing amount of comfort from his love. There is participation in the Spirit, and there is affection and sympathy in Christ. And because of these truths, let us, by grace and power of God, live our lives in in unity, being of the same mind of, of Christ, being of the same love as Christ, being in full accord with one another, and we'll find that this unity brings about a great deal of joy. Let's pray. Um, Lord, we're, we're amazed by your love. We thank you that there is encouragement in Christ. Uh, that even though uh, we are sinful people who deserve your wrath, uh, that we can find comfort and love. Uh, that because of your grace, the Spirit uh, brings our dead souls to life. Um, Lord, I thank you for this amazing truth of the gospel. Help us to never lose sight of this encouragement that, that we have in Christ. I know for me, in, in life, uh, there, there can be things that are discouraging. And our minds can be set and focused upon uh, those things. And, and God, I, I ask that you'd help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you, uh, that we would live our life with the mind of Christ and remember to find our encouragement in you. Amen.